Galatians chapter 1. We're going to start the book of Galatians. On Christmas Eve, I gave you the quote that I love from Alexander Kinglake, atheist, I guess you call him a pessimist. And he was an author in the 1800s in England. And he said that on every church should be written in stone, important if true. And I love that. I love that idea. What we do here is important if true. If, if it's true, if the Bible is true, if it's true about Jesus, if it's true about salvation, if it's true about eternity, then what we do in here is extremely important. And I believe, I believe the Bible is the very words of the Lord. I believe with all my heart. I don't struggle with things in the Bible that appear to be questionable for some. I find nothing to be questionable. Usually if I have a question about something in the Bible that appears to be contradictory, contradictory, I just assume I'm wrong. And I need to find out what the Word has to say and what it really says and try to figure it out. But I found everything to be just exactly the way it is supposed to be. I believe it's true. I believe that salvation is true. And nothing, nothing forgives sin but the blood of Jesus. And so uh, I want you to study with me Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 today. And by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, take your family to see the Jesus Revolution. It's on in, in some theaters, and uh, you ought to go over there and see it. Uh, I, 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 me and Susan went Friday evening, had us a little date, and I knew I hadn't been to the movie theater a long time when I didn't know how to get Coke from the dispensary. Whoa, how in the world do you do that? But you can be like me and, and very seldom go to the movie, but it's a good movie to see, and I think that it will bless you and it will encourage you. And true story, I, I wrote a seminary paper when I was in school on the Jesus, Jesus Revolution, and I've always been interested in it, and I'm so thankful that the the people creatively were able to put that together. So go see the Jesus Revolution. One thing the Bible teaches us is that Paul was really tough. The Apostle Paul was focused. He was determined. Paul was very passionate. In Romans 10.1, he says, My heart's desire and the longing of my heart is that the Jews be saved. He woke up every day focused on people being saved. He focused every day on the Gentiles, which the Lord had sent him, that they would hear the words of the, of the Lord, they would, they would embrace him, and, and would be born again. He persevered. He forged ahead. I mean, Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, snake bit, stone rocked, hunted, chased, uh, he faced storms out there in the Aegean Sea. He, he just thought all kinds of problems. He was jailed, put in prison, but he, he just moved along for the gospel. And so when I look at these verses 1 through 5, I believe they answer 
the question that I, that I have is, how in the world can a man, a woman, be as strong for the Lord Jesus as Paul? And I think that these scriptures that we're going to read today gives us an insight on how Paul was able to be so resilient and so strong for the Lord Jesus. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's learn these lessons today or just be reminded of them today. In verse 1, Paul understands that he is chosen by God. He is called by God. He was not raised up through the institution of men. He wasn't raised in a Christian family. He didn't go to Baylor University. He didn't go to seminary. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't go to church. He didn't go to Sunday school. He didn't go to any vacation Bible schools. And there were no one around him speaking about Jesus. Yet, God plucked him out of his world and placed him in another world. And the reason why Paul was so strong was that he knew without any reservation that God had called him. And he knew it. That's an important thing. That's a great lesson for us. When we know that we are called, when we know that God's Holy Spirit came and drew us to him, and, and he took us from where we were to where we are today, it will bring about in us a strength that doesn't happen any other way. He was called by God, and he knew it. He always knew it. So that means that no matter how hard things got, he knew he was called. No matter how difficult things were, he knew that he was on the road with the Lord. There, because there was no other explanation for Paul's salvation other than it was God's intent, God's idea, and God made it happen. That's an important wrestling match for us. That's an important decision that we need to come to to understand that we have been called by God. We, we live in an age today where people say that 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every year. Now, the reasons they give are things like money, pressures, pressures on the family. They give reasons like failures morale-wise, morality-wise, how difficult it is. Dealing with difficult people places pastors in a difficult spot. There's all kinds of reasons, but one of the reasons that I think is, is part of, not all of, but part of, because it saddens me to think that some of the folks that the Lord has called quit is the fact that many come into ministry because it's a vocation and not a calling. And ministry is one of those things, I'm telling you, that if we're not called to it, we're going to quit. We're going to quit. Because it's difficult, it's hard. And so there's a strength in knowing 
that you're called. There's a strength in knowing that you have been called by God for salvation. There's a strength in it. So that's the first thing that I want to point out to you. Paul did not come out of men. He did not come out of man's system. He was called by God and through Jesus Christ. And the second lesson we have in verse 1 is this. Man, he knew that Jesus was alive. He knew he was alive. It wasn't a philosophy to Paul. It wasn't an idea. Jesus just was not a good teacher or just a prophet to Paul. Paul knew for a fact that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is all that matters to him. That's why he was so strong. You remember the story of his salvation, walking toward Damascus. He was going there to get rid of Christian people, put him in prison. He had paperwork that gave him the right to do that. And on his way to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him, and the story is in Acts chapter 9, and blinded him and said, you know, Paul, why? Or he called him Cephas. Then he said, why are you persecuting me? What's going on here? What's the deal? And, and Paul was blinded by the presence of Jesus, and he was taken to Damascus, and a believer in Damascus by the name of Ananias was sent to explain everything to Paul. Can you imagine how difficult that was for Ananias? I mean, you know, here it is. I have chosen the head of the Gambino family to be the one that's going to carry the gospel to the Gentiles, and I, I want you to go talk to that, to that dom. I want you to go talk to him, and you go see the head of the Gambino family, the murderer, the one that wants every Christian like you to be silenced, to be put away. And yet Ananias went and, and met with him and explained to him the things about the gospel and about Jesus and about what he experienced. But there's no way around it. Two, th two reasons here why Paul was so strong. And from verse 1, he knew he was called and he knew Jesus was alive. We had a funeral here this week for Kerry Culberson. And, and um, after the funeral was over, this uh, elderly gentleman walked up to me and he says, man, I, I just want to tell you that I really appreciated the lesson you gave today, the message you gave today. I said, well, thank you, you know. And he said, this is my third funeral for the week. It was only Wednesday. And I thought, dude, Monday, Tuesday, and now Wednesday? He said, well, I'm old. All my friends are dying. I go to a lot of funerals. I said, man, get that. All right. And he said, I want you to know that the other two funerals I went to, the name of Jesus wasn't mentioned. That blew me away. How can that be? I don't know what kind of churches they were. I don't know what was happening. I don't know the context of the situation, but it was very foreign to me because Jesus is alive. And you see, since Jesus is alive, here's what I think should happen at funerals, and basically what I do. If the person is not saved, then you tell people who are there how to be saved. And you can't tell people how to be saved without mentioning the name of Jesus, right? If the person was saved, you rejoice to high heaven because nothing but the blood saves, the blood of Jesus. And so, I, and I told him that, I said, well, I don't understand how that could be. And I, 
But he said, well, he said it was just so good as a believer to go to a funeral and hear the name of Jesus. Now, without knowing the situation and without, it sounded like I'm judgmental, I only come to one conclusion. In some aspect, Jesus must not be alive for them. How else could it be? How else could it be? You see, since Jesus is alive, he trumps everything. Since Jesus is alive, he is over problems. And if your problem is bigger than Jesus, then you may believe that Jesus is alive, but how you're living your life doesn't show that. If there's a fear that is bigger than Jesus, then you're not living your life as though Jesus is alive. If you have a story at a funeral about a person that means more than Jesus being alive, then you've really missed the boat because nobody can save themselves. Nobody's that great. Nobody is that perfect. We all need the risen Lord. And the reason why I believe that many Christian people, just like you and me, struggle with problems, tribulations, trials, and, and world events, and, and, and people issues, and all those things, is because Jesus is not alive. You see, because Jesus is alive, we win. Because Jesus is alive, nothing we do for him is unimportant. Nothing we do for him is a waste. Nothing we do because Jesus is alive. And, and applying that, understanding, living that out, experiencing that Jesus is alive carried Paul through. It'll carry every single one of us through. So when you're hit with a problem, and we, all of us may be hit with a problem soon, Someone may be hit with a problem zone, illness, financial woe, whatever it might be, family issue, family problem. Jesus is alive means you're going to have all the strength you need to handle it. You're going to have all the strength through the risen Lord to be able to make it through. It may be hard. It may be difficult. You may experience a life like Paul. But if Jesus is alive in you and that changes your whole world, if that's what motivates you, inspires you, compels you to live life like Christ would want you to, you can make it through, not because of your strength, but because of his strength. So Jesus is alive, and Paul knew that. And he says here, to all the brothers who in verse, th verse 2, and to the churches of Galatia. Now, Galatia is not a city, it's a region. And so it's like North Texas. It's like West Texas. It's an area that's in modern-day Turkey. So he is directing this, this letter to all the people, all the brothers and sisters in the Lord that live in Galatia. Look in verse 3. Another reason why Paul was able to endure such hardships in his life. Verse 3, grace to you, all grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. I don't deserve salvation, but I receive it. Grace. I am flawed. I am a sinner. I have fallen short of God's glory. I, I make mistakes, but I live under grace. Grace. Forgiven. Grace. God lavishes his love on us. 
grace. So Paul knew grace. Grace is a good thing to know, isn't it? Grace. He says, grace and peace. Oh, there's nothing much better than grace added with peace. Peace and grace. Grace and peace. Peace. We are made right with God by faith. Romans 5.1 says, we have peace with God through the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Oh, the absence of war. Peace. The, the, the absence of, of struggle inside. Peace. To be okay with who you are. Peace. To have the world just turning upside down around you. But you have peace. Paul had that. Did you know that Paul was finally made it to Rome, and for two years, he was under house arrest. And people would come see him, and he would explain the gospel of Jesus. And, and, and he had peace. When he wrote the book of Philippians, which is the book of joy, and he says things like, turn all your worries into prayer. He said that in prison. When he says, rejoice in everything, and I say it again, rejoice, he was in prison. Paul had peace in prison, and when Paul was in prison, Paul was on what we would understand to be death row. Paul didn't know when his last breath would be, but yet he had grace and peace. And that's because of the gospel that's pointed out to us in verse 4. So he has grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He experienced grace and peace from God and Jesus. And so he wants them to have grace and peace. For sure, right? Who do you not want to have grace and peace? I mean, you got to hate someone if you don't want them to have grace and peace. Grace and peace. And, and how do you get grace and peace? Verse 4 says, this Jesus that we speak about, this Jesus that we believe in, important if true, who gave himself for our sins. That's the good news. What do you know about Jesus? Well, I know he gave himself for my sins. He gave himself for our sins. Let that sink in for just a moment. He gave himself for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish. Oh, there's nothing better than standing at a gravesite with all the grieving families, and be able to see. Everyone, listen to me. Understand this. Keep this in mind. No perishing here. No perishing here. You can look around the cemetery, and if you see an old boy that you knew, perishing there. That guy there, most likely, very little evidence of salvation, perishing. That person over there, perishing. There's perishing all around us, but not here. Why? They believed in Christ. They were born again. No perishing here. The body perishes, but their spirit hadn't. It's gone to be with the Lord. And they're going to have a new, bed, a new body one day. No perishing here. Think about that for a moment. Are you giving your family that blessing that they can stand over your grave and, and, and they can shout to the heavens, 
They can shout to the whole world, no perishing here. That's a cool thing to do. That's what Paul says here. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us. Man, do we need to be delivered? We need to be delivered from ourselves. We need to be delivered from the hold that sin has over us. We need to be delivered from the, this evil age that we're in. Now, what I think Paul is saying to us here is this, that if you don't have Christ in your life, if your sins aren't going to be forgiven, you're going to be controlled by your sins and you're going to be in this evil age and this evil age is going to wear you out and you're going to be part of this evil age. You're not going to have grace and peace if you're side, if you're side saddled with this evil age. And without the forgiveness of sin, we're all going to be evil. We are evil according to what the scripture has to say. There's no hope for us. There's no way out apart from what Jesus done for us on the cross. And, and when Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us, and he gave himself for us so that our sins could be forgiven, he gave us the ability to live differently than this evil age. That's what we have in the good news. That's what we have in the gospel. Paul knew that what that was like to be delivered from this evil age he knew what it was like to live in this evil age. Paul said he was the chief of all sinners. Paul said, don't ever think that I am doing what I'm doing because of who I am. Because I was changed. I was forgiven by Christ. I'm a new person because of what Jesus has done for me. Now, to go back a moment about Jesus being alive... If you're being controlled by this evil present age and let's, that we live in, if, if, if you are in fact giving in, if you are in fact compromising, if you're just, just celebrating God on certain occasions, but most of your world is held in the hands of evil, of doing things of the flesh and not pleasing God with your life, then you have to ask yourself a question, is Jesus alive in your life. I mean, if you're constantly giving in to temptation, you have to ask yourself the question about that. And so there's four things about the good news that gave Paul the ability to live a victorious life. He experienced grace. He experienced peace. He experienced the forgiveness of sin. And he was saved from this present evil world. That's what he says. And then he also adds to that according to the will of our God and Father. Grace, peace, forgiveness of sins, and being saved from this present evil world is according to the will of God our Father. It's what God wants. And so if you wonder, what does God want of me? What does God really say? I mean, okay, this God thing, if it's real, then what is my life going to look like if I believe in Jesus, if I begin to read the Bible, if I begin to be obedient to what Jesus has, has said to me, and I live this life, grace, peace, the forgiveness of sin, understanding the forgiveness of sin, and walking free from the bondage that sin has over us, and saved from this present evil world. Now, who in the world wouldn't want that? 
Who in the world wouldn't want that? Well, I know one being that doesn't want you to have it, and that's Satan. And he works overtime to say, it's not true. It's not accurate. It's not important. Your life is more important. The way you want to live is more important. But the gospel is true. And if true, important. And then the last thing that's here that I think we need to draw attention to and understand, Paul concludes this this greeting, this beginning of the book of Galatians with, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Paul was strong and Paul persevered and he was able to keep on keeping on because he understood who it was for. It was for God. All the glory goes to God. And if we want some of the glory, we're going to struggle. If we want part of the glory or all the glory, or we want to be seen, or we want to be noticed in some way or another, and and we're not okay with Jesus being completely recognized for everything that happens in our life, We're going to have some barriers. We're going to have some struggles. Paul didn't have those. Paul knew he had nothing. Paul knew that all his works were wasted. They were worthless before God's eyes. He knew. And and, and Paul, somehow or another, maybe it was that time out in the Arabian desert. Maybe it was time on his journeys. Somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit brought him to understand that God gets all the glory. And that's a real important thing for us to understand. We all struggle with that. We're going to struggle with that. And if you're not struggling with that, then there's some other issues that's got to happen probably before you get to struggle with that. And so understand that, that God is God and Jesus is alive and he has given us the good news. He gave, gave himself for us to forgive us of our sins. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Now, Terry's rejoicing now. Her mom and dad are saved. God gets all the glory. God used the pastor. God used Terry. God used the granddaughter. God God used people in their life along the way. There have been seeds that have been planted. A pastor went over there and sat down with him. Another guy that he worked with for 30-something years called him and said, Hey, man, what's going on with you? He said, I hadn't heard from you in 30 years. He said, I just want to talk with you. I just want to know if everything's okay. And he prayed for him. Now, you can say that Blackie received glory. No, he didn't. Blackie had nothing to do with it. Blackie just went because the Lord said to. You see, God gets all the glory for that story. God gets all the glory for your story of salvation too. You may be misrepresenting and think that that this person or that person had something to do with your salvation. They were just God's instruments. They were just obedient, and somebody shared the good news with you, and someone prayed for you, and someone loved you to the place where you could receive Christ. But if it hadn't been for God's power, none of us would believe in Christ. God gets all the glory. And we're not going to be strong in the Lord. We're not going to be able to fight battles that we face if we want the glory. I think that's what Paul is saying to us here today. Paul was strong because he knew that he was called. Paul was strong because 
He knew Jesus was alive. Paul was strong because he understood and applied the gospel. The gospel that gave him grace, peace, forgiveness of sins, and he was saved from this present evil world. Paul was strong because he wanted God to have all the glory, and Paul got out of the way. Are you in the way? Are you in the way? You're in the way when you pray about something to be taken from you, and then you take it back. You're in the way. You're in the way when you want the glory. You're in the way when you think your way is best. You're in the way when you won't admit you're wrong. You're in the way when you won't confess your sins to him. You're in the way when you're not going to repent. You're in the way when you're not going to change your ways. You're in the way when you're not going to obey God. You're in the way. You're in the way. Paul wasn't in the way. He was of the way, but not in the way. And so if you want a strength that's beyond you, if you want to experience all that God has for you, you've got to get out of the way. Lord, help us to get out of the way. Help us, Lord, to apply these scriptures today. Help us to rejoice in you, Father, to be submissive in every way possible to what you desire for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.